The reading this morning is in Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus told them, to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he said to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. On the 2nd of September 2015, a photograph went viral. It was a photo like nothing our generation had certainly seen before. It was a photo so powerful that it sent shockwaves across the entire world. A photo so powerful, I didn't want to put it on the board this morning for the children. It was a photograph of Alan Shenu Kurdi a two-year-old Kurdish boy whose body was washed up on a beach in Turkey. His lifeless body lay on the sand, face down, the surf lapping up against him. He had drowned along with 11 other refugees who were fleeing the civil war in Syria for a better life in Europe. As his family attempted to make their way on a makeshift dinghy from mainland Turkey to the Greek island of Kos, tragic events took place and this child, this little toddler who is so young they would be in our crash this morning, died along with his mother and his brother. British Prime Minister David Cameron said he was deeply moved by this photograph. French President Francois Hollande phoned President Erdogan of Turkey to see if there was any way Western Europe could help ease this refugee crisis that was taking place in Turkey and the rest of Eastern Europe. Charities reported that in response to this photograph, donations were up 15 times more than they usually were at that time of year. You see, people had been moved by by what they'd seen. It was happening all the way over there. But this photograph brought it here. And the realities of this war 
of this crisis were there for all to see. And people responded with compassion. Compassion. But this compassion sadly doesn't last long. Such is the nature of the world we live in and a a 24-hour news service that we moved on to the next tragedy and on to the next one. We continue to experience refugee crises around the world today. But our leaders are not always phoning each other to work in unison to sort it out. We as the public are not always aware and giving generously. There was this compassionate reaction that was genuine and well-intended, but it fades. It's forgotten. Life sort of just carries on, doesn't it? And this morning, it's this word compassion that I want us to focus on. And it's not our generic compassion, but the compassion of Jesus that I want us to really get to grips with this morning. Because I truly believe there is nothing like the compassion of Jesus Christ. Nothing like it. And as we look at it together this morning, as we open up the word of God, my prayer has been this week that we will see God's and Christ's compassion. And that we will realize that it surpasses any compassion that we know of or that we've ever witnessed. But that we wouldn't come away thinking, oh, that's that's just unobtainable but that we would come away thinking, how can I show the compassion Christ shows myself? Our first point this morning is, what is the compassion of Christ? What is the compassion of Christ? The Bible records for us that Jesus was a man filled with compassion. In the Gospels, we read that Jesus felt, he showed, he asked for compassion on a number of occasions. And this morning's reading We have this incredible verse in Mark Mark 6, verse 34, which has been read a number of times, and we'll keep reading. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus has spent the first five chapters of Mark turning the world upside down. He's performing these incredible miracles. Lepers are being given skin like a newborn baby. Paralyzed men are running around. He's eating with all the people society turns their nose up at. The drunks, the prostitutes, the dodgy tax man. He has all these huge crowds following him from town to town. He's challenging the religious elite on their teachings about fasting and the Sabbath. He's teaching about the kingdom of God through these incredible parables that people can understand and relate to. He's casting out demons. He's giving women dignity and respect. He's healing people who've been plagued with disease that they've had for over a decade. He's even raised a girl from the dead, all in five chapters. He's pretty busy. He's pretty busy. And all of this without his own home or bed to call his own. He's traveling from town to town with these huge crowds following him, desperate to hear and see more. And while Jesus has been doing all this because he's not been busy enough, he's running like this apprenticeship Bible college on the side. And he's got these 12 disciples and he's training them and he sent them out. He said, you go out and do amazing things. You go out and tell people about the kingdom of God. And where we pick up today in Mark chapter 6, they're reporting back. Look at me, uh, verse 30 with me. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, 
that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. They are all absolutely shattered. They're starving, hungry. They've all just put in a proper shift, Jesus included. But the crowds just keep coming. There's no let up. And so Jesus understandably decides to get them all on a boat and have a bit of time away, a bit of time to recover, a weekend break, a wise move, a practical move, a very thoughtful move. But they are afforded no such luxury. Look at verses 32 and 33. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. These people were so desperate to experience the teaching, power, and love of Jesus that they see where he's going for the weekend and they run there and get there ahead of him. They run there and get them ahead of him. These disciples, they're hungry, they're tired. They've been helping everyone else for five chapters. They just need a break, some me time. Don't these people get it? Could they not just give them a weekend to recover? I wonder what your reaction would be. Maybe you've just worked 10 days on shift. These are your two days off. You've planned some quality time with your mates. But a sickness bug has wiped out half your team. And the manager calls. He needs you. Can you come in? Maybe you're a teacher like me and you've done that seven-week winter half-term. You know the one where it's dark when you leave in the morning and it's dark when you leave in the evening. It's really hard work. The kids are all excited because it's Christmas and so they're being well annoying. And you just want this time with family and friends. And then your next-door neighbour is oh, a bit troubled. He knocks on your door again and he's got a situation that's really messy but he needs your help. It means you've got to cancel your trip into Epsom tomorrow to do the Christmas shopping. Those films that you circled in the Radio Times, you're not going to get to watch them. Someone else is demanding your time, your effort, your energy. Maybe you spent all week at home with the kids your partner has been working long days and so hasn't been able to be at home to help with bedtime and be as hands-on as you want them to be. And the kids have been playing up. All you're trying to do is nice things for them all the time. And they're not grateful. And they never say thank you. And bath time's a nightmare. But Saturday night, you've planned a takeaway and a bottle of red. And you can't wait. Your partner says to you, I can't do it. My sister's been looking after mum all week. I need to go and see her to give my sister a break. How would you feel? You've been pouring out yourself for other people. You need a break. Can't these other people just wait? Can't they just give us a second to ourselves? I need my me time. I can't love others properly until I've loved myself. Isn't that the messaging of today? Can't love others properly until I've loved myself. Well, how does Jesus react? Does he lose his cool? Does he roll his eyes and tut? Does he hop back in the boat and say, come on, we're going somewhere else? No, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began teaching them many things. And the word for compassion I'll read this morning is this Greek word, splagshnizomai. That woke you up, splagshnizomai. What a word that is. And this is important because often when we read a passage like this and we see the word compassion, we sort of just gloss over it or we sort of misunderstand. But Mark has chosen this word for a very specific reason. He's chosen this word splagshnizomai because he wants to tell us something about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this Greek word, it's not about a superficial compassion. It's not a, I hope they'll be okay, these people. It's not a pity, oh, would you just look at them. It's not a feeling sorry for them from a distance. It's not a compassion that's going to remain on the sidelines and not get involved. No, this word, splagsnism, is a proper, proper compassion. People from Battersea say proper twice. It means it's really important. Okay, It's a really big thing. It means that you're suffering with this person. It's like you are experiencing what they are experiencing. The translation is this idea that you feel a love for the people so deep down it's like your bowels are moving. Your gut is turning inside out. It's twisting. It's a reaction that's rooted in the very core of your being. And it creates a reaction in every aspect of you. We cannot gloss over this word. And this word is used 12 times in the Gospels when talking about Jesus. It's his reaction when he meets the sick, the blind, the needy, the hopeless. It's his reaction when he meets those who are suffering or who are mourning for the dead. It's the reaction of the good Samaritan when he sees a man battered and left for dead on the side of of the road. It's the reaction of the father when he sees the prodigal son returning a home from his life of party and prostitutes. And it's the reaction of Jesus here in Mark chapter 6. Jesus' response when he sees people in their terrible situations is to be compassionate. And when he sees this large crowd, he is filled with compassion for them. He cares for them. His guts are wrenching for them. That's how he feels. Why? Because they are lost. They're lost. It says of this huge crowd of people, they are like sheep without a shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd is a lost sheep. And it's in quite a predicament because sheep are hopeless. They haven't got fangs, claws, or or spikes on their back. They don't have any sort of defense strategy. There's no survival of the fittest when it comes to sheep. A sheep is a lost, is an easy target for a wolf, lion, or bear. A sheep is at risk of, of falling down a ditch or falling off a cliff. A sheep is at danger of just wandering aimlessly into situations that will put it at risk. You see, a lost sheep is a dead sheep walking. And when Jesus sees this crowd, he sees people who are lost. He sees people who are hopeless because they have no ability to save or fend for themselves. Not physically, but spiritually. And he has a deep compassion for them. This compassion for Jesus has for them is quite something, isn't it? They've just interrupted his weekend breakaway. 
He was trying to do a good thing for his disciples. And these people, we could say, oh, they've ruined it. No. Why does Jesus have compassion? It's a crowd of strangers. But it's because he realizes what's at stake, isn't it? He knows what the outcome is for those who have no shepherd, who are lost, who are without Christ. And because he knows what's at stake, it stirs this compassion within him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we are at Epsom this morning. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we share Christ's compassion for the lost? Jesus looks at this whole crowd and he sees a sea of individuals who are all made in the image of God. And they are all lost and in need of saving. And his stomach is like it's turning inside out. When was the last time our guts wrenched for the lost? When we were moved by the thought that people were going to remain lost for all eternity if they don't know the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. There are 81,000 people in Epsom and Yule lost without a shepherd. Imagine standing outside uh, Twickenham Stadium, opening day of the Six Nations, and you just stand there, and the full-time whistle goes, and the whole stadium empties past you towards Twickenham Station. That's what it would be like if the whole of Epsom and Yule walked past you. Lost for all eternity. Maybe that's, that's too big to sort of get your head around. It's a big stadium, Twickenham Stadium. What about when this school returns after half term? There will be 660 children in this school every day. Precious souls to Jesus. Lost without a shepherd. What about your colleagues, friends, siblings, parents, children, grandchildren, those who you love and care for more than anyone else? Are they lost? Does your gut wrench for them? The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is how can we know and show the compassion of Christ to these people? How can we love the lost like Christ does? How can we know the compassion of Christ? Having uh, two little girls has opened my eyes to the world of children's Christian music. It's a minefield. There's so much out there. Okay? And I think sometimes it's a bit dismissive to call it Christian music. Uh, sorry, children's Christian music, because the theology there is brilliant. It's brilliant, and it's so simplified. And there's one that I, I like to sing with them, but I won't sing for you, but we'll get the lyrics up. It goes, I want to be like Jesus, to walk and talk like Jesus. I want to live like one who follows him. I want to love like Jesus, to give my all like Jesus. I want to live like one who follows him. And then the last verse goes, I don't always do what's right. Jesus lived the perfect life, and for sins like mine he died. Teach me to obey your word. Help me to put others first. Holy Spirit, change my life. You know, to know the compassion of Christ, 
We need, need to know Jesus himself for ourselves. If you want to know compassion of Christ, you need to know Jesus himself for ourselves. Jesus' whole heart and mission was motivated by this compassion. And if you were sitting here this morning saying, ah, I want to have this, this, this feeling for lost people, but, but I just don't have it, then I'm pleased to tell you, you'll never have it. But Jesus has got it all. And if you know Jesus, you can know this compassion for other people. It can only be found in Jesus. You won't find it within yourself. And this is where you have to start. Jesus was so filled with compassion for you. That's the starting point. Jesus was so filled with compassion for you. You are a lost sheep without a shepherd that he died to save you. You don't always do what's right, but Jesus lived a perfect life. And for sins like yours, he died. You were loved with a compassion that goes beyond anything that this world has to offer. The compassion you have been shown by Jesus meant that he in his great love died to save you. If you are not a Christian here this morning, this is what Christians believe, that we are unworthy sinners, but we are loved by a compassionate Christ. There is nothing special about us. There's nothing special about me or whoever's playing or singing or, or Chris. There's nothing special. But we know the compassion of Christ and it's changed our lives. The more we grapple with God's amazing compassion for us, the more we recognize that I am a sinful rebel who given my own way would wander off like a sheep heading straight into every possible danger I could. But God loves me so much that he sent his only son to die for me. That if I believe in him, I will not perish but have eternal life. The more we wonder and marvel and thank God for the amazing and wonderful compassion he has first shown us, then we can expect the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and to help us to put others first. Holy Spirit, change my life. We are not going to become better people. There's no 10 steps to be more compassionate book available. There's no compassion for dummies. It's Jesus. The more we know Jesus and the great love he has for us, and the compassion that he has shown us that the God of all the universe is a God of compassion. And his compassion is such that he in all his wonder and majesty and glory cares about little me on this little rock spinning round in this huge universe. That his gut wrenches for me. Then the more we will know the compassion of Jesus to show others. That's how I'm loved. That's the compassion that's been shown to me. Holy Spirit, help me to show that to other people. Help me to love like Jesus, to give my all like Jesus. Help me to see people as he sees them, lost and in need of a savior. Isn't it wonderful this morning to sit here and know that you are so loved 
Do you know any other love like this? I don't. No other love like this. A love that sees the God of the universe take on flesh, die in my place to save me because I can't save myself. There's nothing like that. You are lost. And he has done that to find you, save you, and make you part of his family. How can we know the compassion of Christ? Well, it's by knowing him. By knowing him and knowing what he has done for us. And when we know this, then we can show this. We can show the compassion of Christ to others. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began by teaching them many things. This teaching, what, what is this talking about? Well, this teaching was the same then as it is now. You see, Jesus Christ did the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? The message to, stay, to save is still Jesus. And if we want the 81,000 people of Epsom and Yule, and all those we know and love and care about, to know and to be found, then we have to teach them about Jesus. The good news of the gospel and remain faithful to the entire word of God. It is not our duty to save anybody. How reassuring is that? It's our duty to teach them, to tell them, you're lost. This is how you are found. You see, when Christ sees these people in their need, he teaches them. And that should be our response. We need to recognize that everybody's primary need is that they are lost and in need of a savior. Christ's compassion led him to heal the blind, the sick, and all those things. But when he saw that paralyzed man on a mat, what did he say first? Son, your sins are forgiven. Now take up your mat and walk. People's primary need is that they are lost and in need of a savior. And we need to teach them about Jesus. What did Jesus teach? Well, he taught that all people are sinful and are in need of saving. His ministry teaches us that the gospel is for everyone, regardless of race, class, ability, or age. His ministry teaches us that he alone is the way to God. His ministry teaches us that he alone is able to deal with our sin. His ministry teaches us that God so loved the world he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus was teaching. And this is the teaching we need to continue. Because it is this teaching and this teaching alone that will see the lost found. The teaching hasn't changed. People's situations haven't changed. People remain lost. And Jesus remains the only way that they can be found. Yes, we need to ensure our, our teaching uh, is accessible and that it's age-appropriate and it's in context and so on. But we don't change it. We remain faithful to Christ. And again, isn't that reassuring? You haven't got to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to come up with a new strategy. You need to tell people about Jesus. And that is something that every single one of us in this room can do. How can you not talk about a God who loves you how we've looked at this morning? Why is it? I find it so easy to talk about how rubbish West Ham are. 
but struggle to talk about the love that God has shown me. We can all do this. We, maybe we see teach here, and we bit, tell. We can tell people about Jesus. We all have a testimony of how we were once lost, and now we are found. We can tell people. Can, every one of us can tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, both in our words and our actions. We need to walk and talk like Jesus. One of the biggest testimonies, one of the things that spoke to me most about Jesus growing up was my mum's, the way she lived her life. My mum's a Christian, my dad's not, um, and we were lively children. We put them through from difficult circumstances. And the way my mum responded to the way my dad responded always spoke to me about Christ. She didn't sit down with me with a Bible and, and talk me through every single situation. But I saw the compassion of Christ in her life, the way she loved and dealt with us. She taught me about Jesus through her actions. I'll never forget, as a, as a new convert, uh, 21 years of age, I remember going back to my home church in Battersea, and I went to their midweek prayer meeting. It is a small church uh, of faithful Christians. And I remember going in, and they had this session of, of intercession, they called it. And it is prayer requesting things from God and I heard prayers for the lost and I heard them praying for kids in the Sunday school by name I heard them praying for the friends who had unbelieving husbands that their husbands would come to know Christ I heard them praying for each other's children I heard them praying for someone who they just met and had a one-off conversation with in Asda but they remembered their name and I remember sitting there and thinking, this is how they would have prayed for me. And it was the most humbling experience as a 21-year-old man to sit in that prayer meeting and hear older saints pray for the lost. And what were they praying for? Give us opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Quiz nights, reef making, carol services, Inviting people over for lunch. They were praying that they might have opportunities to tell lost people about Jesus. See, compassion is not passive. The compassion of Christ wasn't passive, it was active. He got in amongst people. He taught them. We've got to be the same. We've got to get in there. Get alongside people. Love them. Teach them, pray for them, and we can do that. We can show the compassion of Christ by recognizing that people's greatest need is to know Christ for themselves, to no longer be lost, but to be found by the Christ of compassion, by the Christ who's got wrenches for them. In a world where genuine compassion is so often lacking, it is, isn't it? Genuine compassion. We, uh, the gentleman we prayed earlier, prayed, there's people going through some really tough times at the minute. And they are. And we need to be Christians who are compassionate about those things as well. But isn't it great that we have a gospel and we have a Christ who is genuinely compassionate about the people he made, knows, and loves? That's the teaching we have. 
that lost people can be found because Christ has compassion for them.